0: This podcast of The Model Health Show is presented to you by Sean Stevenson with Rare Gym Productions. For more information, visit the Sean
1: Welcome to the Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson. Here with my beautiful co-host, talented co-host and producer, <laughs> Jade Harrell. What's up, Jade? What's up, Sean? How are you doing today?
0: I am swawesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what is awesome?
0: I am simply awesome, awesome sauce
1: It sounded like you were swollen, swollen awesome
0: Swollen awesome, so awesome it's swelling me up
1: I love it, <laughs> love it Well, I hope everyone else is doing amazing mm-hmm. today And we've got a fantastic show I Bananas. mean, I can't even tell you how excited I am <laughs> We've got a world record holder in the building We've got an, an Olympian who's won multiple gold medals We've got Jackie Joyner-Kersey joining us on the show today. And today I'm really interested and dedicated to sharing more information about longevity mm-hmm. and also about inspiration, mm-hmm. you know, to find out how to find that trigger within yourself to help you to really reach your your best self and become, you know, the, the greatest version of yourself, really. Absolutely. And learning from people like that is really like... Mm-hmm. A secret, yeah, you know, it's a secret leverage point that we all can get access to. And it's just tuning into shows like this. So mm-hmm. I'm really, really excited. I am too. But first, let's mm-hmm. give a huge shout out to our show sponsor, onit.com. Head over to O-N-N-I-T forward slash model for 10% off all of your health and human performance supplements. Huge fans What's of the yesterday? hemp force protein. <laughs> the most bioavailable protein for the human body is going to be found in hemp. It's a rich source of edestin and albumin, which is a soft globular protein. And it's water soluble. And guess what the human body is mostly made of?
0: Water. Be
1: water, <laughs> my friend. And so it actually, you assimilate it. So you can use less and get more. Whereas if you're buying a conventional whey protein oftentimes a lot of that's going to be wasted on you. you've you got to take a lot and your body's going to be kind of literally off gassing
0: mm-hmm. all right we
1: call it gas and blast right. because you're not digesting it and assimilating a lot of that um that protein compound in there mm-hmm. so this is why i love him for so much plus it tastes so good del- it's so delicious it's
0: amazing it's good it's so good and
1: that's just icing on the cake because mm-hmm. we want we want the healing process and the health process to f- be fun and to right. feel good right to you taste know?
0: good to go down easy. <laughs> now, if
1: you try and go get, you know, Company X Hemp Protein, you're going to be a little disappointed. It's going to taste like a sand and dirt cocktail. All <laughs> right. <laughs> hemp Force is really, you know, number one, it meets those protein needs and it's it's so digestible, but also it tastes good, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So do yourself a favor, head over there and grab yourself some Hemp Force Protein. Also huge fans of the Shroom Tech Immune. Yes. There's two Shroom Techs. Shroom Tech Sport, which is my pre-workout and Shroom Tech Immune, and the Shroom Tech Immune is based on chaga mushroom, mm-hmm. which is the highest ORAC value food in the world. Okay, so we're talking about the highest antioxidant thing that you'll ever find. You know, red wine is awesome, and it makes you feel kind of, you know, different, get your little mm-hmm. head changed, <laughs> but it's not as high as chaga. Chocolate's awesome. It's not as high as chaga. Blueberries, mm-hmm. acai, you so name good. it, chaga's just off the charts. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Number two, it's clinically proven to... improve improve your MK cells, so your natural killer cells activity upwards of 300%. -hmm. So these are basically the immunological weapons that defend your body against anything you're exposed to. Right. So it's training your immune system to be smarter.
0: Anything. Right.
1: <laughs> what
0: most <laughs> of it is
1: really this is what it is it's a it's, mu- it's a immunomodulator right mm-hmm. so it helps you to adapt to your conditions no matter what you're faced with that's awesome. and that's what humans are you know we are adaptable right but it can be tough in our world today where we're surrounded <laughs> by so much stress but having things like this gives you a lot of leverage so head over there to onit.com it.com slash model for 10 percent off all of your human performance and health supplements. Now let's get into the iTunes review of the week.
0: This is my favorite part. Another five-star rating says totally addicted Nina P 44. I just found this podcast and I was instantly hooked. I have struggled with my health while starting my business for a while now, but I am determined to get back on track. Sean and Jade are so down to earth and make me feel like I'm a part of their circle. They are helping me stay focused and motivated. The transformation is happening and I'm so grateful to have a resource like this. It's inspiring. And I hope more and more people will start to tune in so they can change their lives too. I truly believe that my success will come when my body, my mind and soul are in sync and I am closer than I've been in a long time. Thank you, Sean and Jade.
1: Wow. Body, mind (laughs) and soul. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. That's what it's really about. You know, we can't take our spirit out of the equation, you know, Mm -hmm. and also our, our mental capacity because, you know, this, our bodies are just a vehicle, mm-hmm. you know, it's the vehicle that we're getting around it, So We want to take care of it, that's right. but it starts with your inner game, mm-hmm. you know? So that's so awesome. Thank it you is. so much for leaving that review. And, and thank success you. success
0: to you on your business. We appreciate knowing where and how you're right, handling your biz.
1: <laughs> we appreciate
0: you sharing how and where you are taking in the podcast. That's great.
1: Awesome. Everybody, thank you so much for leaving those reviews over on iTunes. Mm-hmm. really does mean the world to us. Now let's get into our topic of the day and our special guest. Our guest today is Olympian Jackie Joyner-Kersey. I need a trumpet.
0: (laughs) Give me a trumpet.
1: (laughs) She was voted by Sports Illustrated as Mm. the greatest female athlete of the 20th century. Yes. Right? And there's been so many phenomenal athletes. And to to have that accolade is just phenomenal. But the thing is, it's well-deserved. You know, she's medaled in four different Olympic games. Mm. So that's a span of 16 years. <laughs> exactly, Right. <laughs> she's
0: done more in one series than yeah. we've done. Many have done in a lifetime.
1: When I was looking up her, her accolades and her gold medals and all of her achievements, like it was too much to fit on one page. Right. It was just so many things. But the big, the big show is the Olympics, mm-hmm. you know, and there she's won three golds, one silver, two bronze medals. Right. And she still has the world record for uh, being a heptathlete, which is just all around, lots of different events. She's just so phenomenal, so talented, and just a really great person, which mm-hmm. you're all going to get to learn today. So I'd like to welcome to the Model Health Show, Miss Jackie Joyner-Cursey. How you doing today?
2: Fine, thank you, and thanks for having me. Hey, Jay. Hey, oh, we are
1: so
0: happy to have you and honored.
1: <laughs> awesome.
0: Have you been contacted by the Avengers yet to join the,
1: <laughs> the elite force?
2: <laughs> oh, hey. hey. <laughs> Put it out there. <laughs> right, right, right. So
1: you are a superhero. And this is what I really want to talk about. You know, mm-hmm. what is your what is your superhero origin story? You know, what got you interested and excited in, in athletics in the first place?
2: You know, what got me uh, interest in, uh, well, having an interest in athletics was that, you know, I had a passion for running, and but I didn't realize all the work that it would take Mm, to become a great runner. Yeah, Because when I first started, I wasn't one of the best runners. And that challenged me, Uh you know, how I can become better. And so uh, trying to improve, if it was a tenth of a second, if I was running or a half of an inch, if I was jumping, that kept me motivated, you know. And I would go to competitions and I would finish in last place. But that didn't bother me. Uh, All I wanted to know that the work that I was putting in was paying off, and I started seeing different results weekend after weekend. Wow.
1: So who were some of your early motivators or inspiration?
2: Athletically, a lot of my inspiration, um, stories I read about Wilma Rudolph, Mm. uh, Babe Zaharias, and Wilma Rudolph was really uh, someone that I truly admired from afar and And years later, me making Olympic team and she was doing commentating and, but then she became my mentor Mm, and someone that, you know, you watch the story on television, you read the book and all of a sudden I'm sitting in her hotel room and Mm. how she embraced me and, and just how she was a beautiful person, a beautiful spirit. And after all she had gone through after winning three gold medals uh in tokyo and then coming back home and not being able to go to a restaurant in her hometown because of the color of her skin yeah. and but when you would speak with her she wasn't bitter at all and i admired that There's yeah. all she ever gave me was positive uh reinforcement and things i should work on and it was just a blessing mm-hmm. wow,
1: that's phenomenal mm-hmm. so everybody i really want to pay attention to the fact that this champion, this world champion came in last, you know, (laughs) and a lot of us actually feel sometimes that we're last, Mm -hmm. you know, we're last in our relationships. We're last as being a parent and paying attention to ourselves. Mm -hmm. We put ourselves last and we don't often think that there's a way, but if you can go from being last to, you know, being considered the, top female athlete in the 20th mm-hmm. century. I mean, that's such a great inspirational story. Yes. But I'm hearing that having mentors mm-hmm. was important. So what what do you feel is something that's kind of applicable for people who want to, you know, take their life to the next level or even just take their health to the next level? What do you think uh, a mentor can do for them? Or do you recommend everybody get a mentor?
2: Yeah, I would. Um, I think having a mentor is, is very important, important, but. But you have to stay true to who you are first. Mm,
1: yeah.
2: And then you will find someone that, that you will find that balance. And that balance is not always agreeing with you, but someone that's going to be true to you. Some of the things you don't want to hear, but you need to hear. Mm. And, and, and I think mm. that's very important because even, uh, for myself, I might have finished last, but I always had a plan. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we don't plan. Yeah, uh, we want instant gratification and I think you can learn through I don't look at them as uh, failures I just look at them as probably uh, stepping stones to try to get to where I'm trying to go yeah and not let that negativity stop me yeah. uh, I'm always looking for the solution to the problem and so and I, and I think it's so important when if you're trying to find a mentor or someone that you want to work with or but you, you just gravitate to that that person spirit, you know, watch them, study them. And, and what is it about them that you like? What is it that they could do or support something that you're not doing? And it's not so much supporting, but maybe filling a void. Yeah. You know, if, if it's if you're having a difficult time listening, then if that person is telling you to listen, then you find yourself all of a sudden listening to your mentor. Because now you're learning how to listen. Yes. And then now you're learning to put things into action. You know, what is your action plan and what does that look like?
1: Yeah. I think that's so powerful. Listening, I really feel it's a valuable skill Mm -hmm. and it's something you learn, you know, especially like active listening. Yes. You know, and a lot of people wonder like how this show and how we kind of achieve the success when I grew up, I was like the shy, quiet kid. I was listening all the time, you know, and when I'm not speaking or, you know, doing a show, I'm very quiet and I'm just listening and consuming and learning from people like you, you know, I just kind of immersed myself in your world the last uh, couple of weeks in preparation for this. And it's just so exciting to talk to you. So you brought up something really important and valuable, talking about having a plan. Mm-hmm. And the quote comes to mind is Benjamin Franklin that said, if you fail to plan, then you're planning to fail, Right. So I, I've got to reiterate the fact that having a plan and knowing where you want to go is so critical. And I want I want for just to kind of share some of the story and take us with you of your plan and how kind of things unfolded with you coming from East St. Louis, where I spent a nice mm-hmm. chunk of my childhood as well. Not considered a, a hotbed of talent or even success, period, from More going from there to you went to UCLA, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. So take us... From I guess maybe from high school, what got you to go out to California, how did that feel? Take us with you. Share the plan.
2: Well, uh, I was very fortunate to be surrounded by great coaches. uh, Coach Nino Fennoy, who was my age group coach, along with George Ward. And the time I was nine years of age, I loved running, but I wasn't good. But I realized that if this is something that I want to pursue, that I have to put the hard work in and so by the time from nine i would do competitions and probably fourth through eighth place and sometimes ninth place receive ribbons and then one through third got on the podium and so after competing uh, weekend after weekend i realized over time that i want to get on the podium mm-hmm. so my plan was to go from the grass to the podium and going from the grass Uh, competition-wise, medal ceremony-wise to get on the podium then I realized as I continue on my journey that usually the top three make our national teams so if you compete on the age group level or AAU or TAC at that time at the Athletic Congress that you would make some type of national team so it wasn't until I was 14 when I saw the 76 Olympic Games on television Mm. and I remember seeing Evelyn Ashford and she wore pigtails, just like me. Her was cornrow, and and I saw young ladies doing what I was trying to do, mm-hmm. and and the whole seventy six Olympic Games was about you know the perfect ten. Seeing Nadia combination and every little fourteen year old thought they could be a gymnast. <laughs> <Right, know>? right. <laughs> but it was just <laughs> great to see someone that age so young and I was young but I'm at home watching this on television and I'm like oh I want to go to the Olympics you know and I went to my coaches and and I said to them you know do you think I can make it to the Olympics and they say yeah you have the potential but you have to be willing you got to work hard and you know as a youngster you think you're working hard anyway (laughs) but (laughs) seeing Evelyn Ashford they put the university at that time it was UCLA yeah so that played in my mind and then maybe two years later I remember seeing Ann Myers and Anita Ortega, uh, play, uh, at that time it was the AIAW division. They called it before it became NC2As, uh, an AIAW championship against Maryland. And I played basketball. So I'm like, you said I gotta be the, you know, the school, not knowing if they were going to come to East St. Louis and recruit me. And, yeah. and we had a, a phenomenal team that. Our senior year, we went undefeated 33 and 0 in basketball. Every coach from around the nation came to our gymnasium. But UCLA was my school of choice yeah. because growing up in the Midwest, I competed in the cold a lot and got tired of and just thinking if I go to California, at least it'll be sunshine <laughs> and warm weather. You know, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. You know? <laughs> so I get to UCLA and I play on a basketball scholarship, playing basketball and but my heart was always with trying to make the Olympic team in track and field. Mm. And eventually, uh, years later, I try to make my first Olympic team, uh, make the team, uh, don't do as well as I wanted, And that's because I had an injury and psychologically, mm. I made the injury out more than what it was at that time because I had never been injured before. And, and it was just a lot to deal with. Yeah. And even though for someone else, a silver medal would be great, but for me, and I I in my heart I had the talent to be a gold medalist. Yeah. So I just like prayed and hoped God would bless me to make another Olympic team four years later and I said I want to be the toughest athlete out there mentally. Physically I knew I had the gift, but you have to have the total package.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So much there. It is so good. <laughs> I, I really love the part when you're talking about seeing the athletes, you know, like on television and a changing your paradigm. Um, there's a wonderful book. I really love this book. It's called the talent code. Mm -hmm. And it's looking at the fact that it's not, you know, a lot of times we think that some, this person is a born genius and Mm -hmm. phenomenon. Occasionally that happens, you know, like one in a billion times, but most of the time there's a, there's conditions that help to create that person's character and their skill. And so one of the big things for a lot of countries that are in poverty, for example, is seeing that another person for their country did something phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. So, um, there's a story about, um, a country that Andrew Jones is from. He's a, he was a player for the Atlanta Braves. And, uh, I think he won like 10 gold, right. gold gloves. Mm-hmm. And once the, the people in this country saw this, I mean, it just became this oh. drive for all these kids. And now they're just putting people <laughs> yeah. in the major leagues over and over and over again. And so you same thing for you is like seeing that template, seeing what's possible. And also the story comes to mind of. Uh, Roger Bannister Mm -mm. you know Mm -hmm. nobody they thought it was physically impossible (laughs) to run a four minute mile after he did it then like 13 more people did it within the next two years Mm -hmm. even high school you know at this point can break the four-minute mile. And it's just, it's changing the paradigm. And I think that's so important to have good examples. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, that's the premise of our program, being the Model Health Show and setting forth this example and showing that it can be done and the accessibility. We've gotten review after review that, wow, I feel like I can do it now because of what I learned and experienced and was exposed to on this program. And so from that exposure, you kind of figured out, I can go a little further. You went from grass to podium, (laughs) but grass to gold, actually. Amazing. Uh, along the way so that bigger picture may not have been there, but you kept mm-hmm. pressing toward
2: a new mark Yes, that's very admirable and I think sometimes we have to get our own way mm and, yeah. and sometimes we put up barriers without realizing we are putting up barriers mm-hmm. And I've always believed that we should never it should never be a limit to whatever Whatever it is that you want to accomplish and through skills we all have skills, but we have to really sharpen those skills and that's where the preparation comes in. And once that preparation is there, you never know where where you're going to end Mm -hmm. up. Did that
0: help you with your injury and the setback there? Yes. To press through that moment?
2: Yes, I had to uh, really... I worked with my physical therapist and I had to allow them to do their job. I had to get out of my own way. Mm -hmm. And my mind was blocking me because my leg was heavily bandaged that that means something's wrong. No, they were trying to protect the leg so I wouldn't do further damage to it. But in my mind, that meant I couldn't run, but I could run. And I was running. I was running faster than what I had done in our previous, uh, Olympic trials. But psychologically, it was like, oh, something must be wrong because I got a bandage on my leg. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) You know, so.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So Just overcome those barriers. So can you take us through, first of all, heptathlete. Can you share with what what that is? What what does that consist of for everybody?
2: Yes. Uh, the heptathlete is the athlete. Heptathlon is the event and it's seven events. It's the 100 meter hurdles, the high jump, the shot put, the 200 meters. We do that on the first day. We mm. come back the second day with the long jump, the javelin and the 800 meters. Wow. So seven events and.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so you're the world record holder for that event, right?
2: Yes. I'm the world record holder in that event. What?
1: To this day, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's so powerful. That's right. So that's powerful. Right. You're the first woman to actually break like seven thousand points in that, right?
2: Yes, that was my goal uh, to break seven thousand points. And because in your mind, you you look at each event and you say, "Oh, okay, I can get a thousand points in each event." But no, you have to really study e- the events. Yeah. Some events that I realized in the hundred meter hurdles, yes, I can score eleven 1, hundred points. High jumping, I know I have to stay over one eighty eight or six feet two inches consistently to get over, you know, 1,200 points. The shot put is a very difficult event. To th- If I throw 50 feet, that might give me 700 points. So that's Ooh. 300 points down. Mm-hmm. And that's an event that I would try to concentrate a lot on, but I really didn't need to. I need to yeah. concentrate on that high jump. The high yes. 200 meters, I can get over 1,200 points. Come back the next day, the long jump. If I'm jumping over 7 meters, over 23 feet, then i'm over 1200 points and the javelin throwing it at 164 consistently that's going to get me at 800 points and then the 800 meters i knew running 210 is e- equals to 965 points so wherever I was, I kind of knew right. what what I needed to do. Yeah. I love it. She you had could, the plan and the strategy.
0: <laughs> right. And she okay. could dr- and the throw, a way throw a javelin that far. I'm like,
1: oh. If you could throw a javelin that far. So if I far, can just
0: kill this record here and there, you know. And you better not try to run from her. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> I surrender. <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> <laughs> Hit you up.
2: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so it's
1: it's that, it's having that strategy and also I hear you saying, you know, focus more on your strengths and assure up your weaknesses. Is that what I'm hearing?
2: Uh, not quite. No. In training, it was focusing on the weaker events, mm. uh, to make sure because those are the events that would get you off your, your game, mm-hmm. your mind to wonder and start doubting. So in training, I would concentrate a lot on, it wasn't that the high jump was a weaker event for me. It was, it was crucial in me staying in the competition because whereas I might run the hurdles well, but a lot of the young ladies, if I'm only high jumping five ten or six feet, and they going six four, that's a three hundred point Difference. jump. Right. So, and then the shot put was uh one of the events I wanted to work on, but my coach never felt the need because he understood the points. But to me, I always wanted to throw 50 feet because that, that, that meant something. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: That's so cool. <laughs> right, so right. It, so I guess it, it, mentally is like the, the events that you were great at is just kind of like, I got this one. I got this locked down. Let me focus on sharing up these things so that I stay in, in, within range.
2: Right. And you always want to keep a balance because whenever I went with the attitude, I got it locked down. I run into trouble. Mm-hmm. So I really try to stay humble. Yeah. And not think, oh, because I know I love the long jump, but when I would take on like the long jump is my event, then I would get into trouble because that's really my bread and butter event. That's where the event I'm looking to put the competition away. I really want to try to jump 23 feet plus because I know I'm the only one in the field that can do that. (laughs) But if I don't, then if I go 22 is okay, but I'm devastated. So it's like
1: finding that healthy balance of confidence but not getting too narcissistic, you know, yes. not being like the Kanye West of track and field. Right. Oh, you
2: you want to be confident, but not cocky, and yeah. you know because because we're out there together for eight nine hours, yeah. And you become friends, and you you are competitors, but you do become friends. But for me, it was always trying to get to maximize each event point wise. Because I really want to run at 800 meters. <laughs> so it's like, okay. So if I misstep somewhere, that means I got to run a little faster than that. 965 is 210. Because I know majority of the girls, they're going to run 203 and 202. And I, I'm not going to run that. I know that. You know, I'm like, no, I'm going to stay right in my lane and run my run my time. Right, right, right. And that's so, work to to <laughs> Right, yes. I, I want to talk
1: a little bit about that um, and go more in depth because – I'm hearing that there was a lot of like internal dialogue and just self-talk. So what is the importance of kind of having that affirmative attitude and healthy conversation with yourself in your mind when you're working to achieve a goal?
2: You know, healthy conversation with yourself for me was very crucial. I was always feeding myself positive thoughts. Mm -hmm. I would visualize a lot. I would always see myself Mm -hmm. executing what I wanted to do. And even if I was in a crucial situation i would always try to find something good out of what i was trying to do to pump me up you know i will always say come on jackie you can do this and i'll constantly run through my mind never give up on yourself always believe you can turn a doubter into a believer you can do this you know and and always just kept that positive energy around me even when my legs felt heavy, I would think about my mechanics. I'm thinking about keeping my arms in 90 degree, getting my heel to my butt so my leg can come through, making sure I'm in a figure four. Always thinking about what I needed to do to execute a good performance. Because if I'm running and I say to myself, Oh, I'm tired. Then you're exhausted. Right. All a sudden, you running like you got bricks or something <laughs> on your shoulder, you know, yes. Familiar. Pulling you there. down. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's,
1: it works both ways. You know, mm-hmm. the positive things you say to yourself and the negative yes. things, you know, if somebody, there's studies done where individuals get up in the morning and it's all set up, you know, there, there are specific people set up at specific points to tell them, you know what? You don't look too good today. Yes. You know, you, <laughs> are you okay? Are you sick? And by the end of the day, they're starting to express symptoms, you mm-hmm. know, of having a fever Or cold symptoms because they've getting this environmental feedback and they believe it, which is the key because Mm -hmm. you still have control of your own mind if you're aware of it. Mm -hmm. If you're not, then you're going to be subjected to what the environment says. And I'm sure that there was a lot of haters (laughs) even, even then. (laughs) But you know, it's having that positive conversation with yourself. I I love that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so,
2: I I think it's very crucial, even the company that you keep, uh, because a lot of time, if a person is negative, they don't realize that they're negative. Yeah. You know, it is not a compliment. If you see someone, oh, you don't look good today. You know, (laughs) right. So (laughs) if somebody's losing weight, like (laughs) people say,
1: you don't look as fat.
2: (laughs) Right. You know, it's, you know, but, but it's really trying to help that person to work with themselves because sometimes they don't realize that they're giving off that type of negative energy. You know, and, and I just think that it's, it's, it's so important to never lose sight of what you stand for and, and, and what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, it's contagious.
0: Yeah. Yes. So you talked about changing people's mind. You can always change their mind about you. yeah. It's contagious.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, that really speaks to a, a really important word to me, which is compassion. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so even for the people who are bringing the, the, the rain cloud, you know, when they come <laughs> around, still having compassion for them and understanding that they just want to be happy. They want the same things that we do. So, but it's still up to us right. of what we're going to surround ourselves with. Mm-hmm. So what conditions um,
0: will allow ourselves to be in? Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: I'm really curious now. So now that we know what it consists of, you know, your, your big events, uh, what do you feel was your greatest uh, Olympic moment? Can you share that with us? <laughs> There's so many, I know, yeah. but maybe let's just say, <laughs> what, what do you feel was like your greatest Olympic games?
2: I would say that, I mean, for me, it's it's a combination of all four other games, and the reason being is because of what I've learned, what I was able to learn from each one. Mm -hmm. So in the first Olympic Games in 84, dealing with an injury, realizing that I want to be positive, but negative thoughts. You know, I was thinking cost me uh, not to do as well as I thought I should have done. And going, having the strength to make The Olympic team and winning back-to-back goals, you know, is a great accomplishment. To be able to do it in the Olympic Games and to also break a world record is very significant. And then coming back and doing something four years later in my third Olympic Games that had never been done to win back-to-back gold medals Mm -hmm. in the multi-events. And then my final Olympic Games, coming full circle, dealing with an injury that was far worse than the one I had in '84. But I was able to compete in my in the long jump. Not being able to do the heptathlon was, you know, bothersome. But because
1: uh, I know you had, I to had pull, to you had to pull out from that one, yes, in order to, to save mm-hmm. yourself for the mm-hmm. long term. yes, yeah.
2: and and so winning that bronze medal.
1: Can you, and- you got to share the story of that? Because <laughs> I think it was like so. Tell tell us the the event.
2: Yes, uh, competing in Atlanta, my last Olympic games and. you on
1: home soil. Yeah,
2: home soil. And going through the first event in the heptathlon and all of a sudden lining up for that event, you know, after waking up, not knowing that we had the bomb scare. Right. And so lining up, my, my heat comes after, I think three heats prior to me, uh, races before me. Uh, All of a sudden the rain comes, (laughs) I got this bandage on my right leg and I come out the blocks, I win my heat, I win my race, but then going into the high jump and as I'm approaching the high jump, and even though uh, my right leg is the leg I long jump off of, but the left leg is my takeoff leg. For the uh, high jump, but Mm -hmm. when I'm doing the penultimate stride where the short long short to go into there I would have to really push off the right leg and as I'm doing that, I can feel my leg grabbing in the warm-up and the bar is only at five five five, you know And I'm talking about I'm gonna be jumping six feet two and I'm crashing into the bar Mm -hmm. and so I walk away, and I hear Bobby's voice and I'm thinking he's you know over in the stands and he's actually on the apron of the field saying, No, I'm gonna pull you. I said, like, No, let me try one more time. Let me try one He said, No. I I think that uh, you know, long jump is what you really you love the long jump and you never had an opportunity just to compete in that event. So let's give your legs a break mm. and let's see with this three day rest. Let that leg calm down and see if you can come back. Right. And compete in the long jump.
1: So, Bobby, your husband and coach, Mm -hmm. he and and Mm -hmm. he just kind of affirmed to you that we're going to do this for the long jump. So just save your save your body, save your energy. And then so you get to the day of the long jump.
2: Yes, I get to the qualifying day. I qualify. okay. come back the next day and I'm ready. I'm, you know, I'm running down the runway and I'm hitting the board, landing into the pit. And I'm thinking like, wow, that's 23 footer. Look at the fish in the market. 21 feet. I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, so I'm going back down, sitting down. And I, I have like, a, it, it looks like a hammer, but is a wooden stick. So my leg is bandaged. So I'm trying to cross friction. My legs in between the jumps to keep the scar tissue down and trying to stay <laughs> moving around. But also trying to conserve my energy uh, for the long jump. So my next attempt, same thing. The distance are not there, but I'm steady like. Talking positive to right. myself, you know, and uh, it's like, whew. so then third jump a little better, but not where the competition is because you're, uh, right now we got two jumpers over uh, twenty three feet, so it's like, okay, I really got to work. And think on my fourth attempt, I end up falling. I didn't get a mark. Yeah. And now uh, my fifth attempt, I'm still in sixth place. And then it comes down to my last attempt. Wow. I'm yeah. in sixth position, and I remember lining up at, uh, at the top of the runway. I go through uh, everything I want to do, coming through my run, seeing it, visualizing, visualizing, executing, hitting the board, climbing in the air, looking for the top of the trees, trying to hold myself in there for at least a second. And I'm visualizing all that, and I'm telling myself, you could do this. You know, you tell young people all the time, never give up on themselves. So everybody... Probably have counted you out. Do you don't count yourself out. Yes. And I said, you know, and I said, Jackie, you tack that board. If that leg goes out, they're gonna send a gurney out there and they're gonna pick you up and they're gonna remove you from the track. But you give it all you got to give. I come running down there in the middle. Leg's coming up, twenty nine feet, two inches away from the board. I got four steps to execute to make sure I hit hit the board, climb in the air, hold myself for at least a second, and land in the pit. Look back, saw the white flag mean good jump, and when he put seven meters up, I was like elated. yeah because you know in my heart, I was going for the goal. Yes, because if I would have been just going for the bronze medal, which I ended up uh, getting, then I would have ended up still in sixth place. There
1: you go. Yes, there
2: you go. And for me, that story for anyone, Mm -hmm. never underestimate the power of you. Never underestimate Mm -hmm. what you can do. You know, always believe when everyone else have counted you out, you find a way and you can, you know, turn a doubter into a believer. And that's what I truly believe. And that's why that bronze medal means more to me. Sure. You know, and I always say this, than the gold. And I think maybe because I have gold medals, I can say that, but (laughs) that performance was full circle. Mm -hmm. And so. Wow. Yeah. You
0: even change the doubter within yourself. Yes. You can make the doubter within you become a believer. Yes. That I will play this again and again every morning, probably. So powerful. <laughs> so and powerful. I love how you tell it. Do they have commentators for the long jump? Because that was good. I was there. I know. Me I
1: I'm
0: in the air for one minute. <laughs> right. Trees. Yeah. yeah. I was there for sure, too. For sure. Wow. Looking for the white flag. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that is a wonderful story.
1: So, well, let's go ahead and shift the conversation. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. That's so so awesome. Mm-hmm. I was I, I was right I'm there, with still you. there. I didn't know you were right. right. In the tree. You forgot <laughs> I was in,
2: right. I was in the tree. <laughs> Look
1: at Jay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So now I want <laughs> to kind of Jay. shift the conversation to what I'm something I'm really passionate about, which is longevity. You know, and I'm still pretty young, and you are too. You know, oh, in you. fairness, <laughs> right? You know, but I'm as in. we yeah. don't forget me, of course, I'm in. I'm but in. as we <laughs> start to progress in age, you know, a lot of people start to place more and more limits on their mind. And there was a quote that you shared before, and it says that age is no barrier. It's a limitation you put on your mind. Mm. You know, you literally said that. And it's something that that I would say, and then I came across your quote in research, and <laughs> you was just like, I, I must have picked that up subliminally <laughs> from you. You know, and it's it, it, it that's where the real game is happening. It's like, as you get older, if you think you can't do something, then you already know what the outcome is. Yeah. You know, so I want to talk about what you've done to kind of maintain your health and take care of yourself because you still look good. Thank you. Real talk. <laughs> and whereas a lot of athletes after their playing days are over, you know, just kind of, you know, balloon up and lose, lose a lot of their health and their uh, functionality. So, uh, what do you think about kind of taking care of yourself? What, what has changed for you mm-hmm. since those days to now?
2: You know, what's changed is that I'm no longer, you know, training to be a competitive athlete. I've always believed in being fit for life. Uh, it's, 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 it's challenging, you know, because your schedule change and, uh, different things that where I was as an athlete, I'm on a routine schedule all the time. Right. And I always had certain goals I was trying to meet. Now, uh, as a non-competitive athlete, non-competitive athlete, I still have a schedule. I still want to try to find time to try to work out, uh, do as much as I can. And with the understanding that I don't have to do a whole lot, but just finding a way to get something in and working towards what my goals are, not the goals of someone else. Uh, not, you know, I go into the gym or someone always want to challenge. Oh, is that all you lifting? (laughs) 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 I'm like, really? But I know know why I'm lifting. Yes, and see, this is yeah. a difference, yeah. you know. And I think that it's important that you know you find what works for you. Right. If it's five minutes, then do five minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, don't go and try to do three hours when your body can't handle that. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: And you said quality; it's quality yes. over mm-hmm. quantity, especially now.
2: Yes, quality over quantity. When you were, when, when I was younger, it was more quantity because. You learning technique. You are learning different things. You putting in the hours. You are doing this. And as I became older, it became more quality work. Yeah. And it's the same way. If I go out and I want to get an hour of exercising, I might do some ballistics or some fast stuff, or I'm still getting that same quality of work in right. in, in in less than an hour. Right.
1: And I, I saw. The- I'm sorry. No,
2: it's okay. <laughs> well, I have a question about your your new goals
0: after all that. I mean, first of all, you never put an end cap on where you were going. Great achievements and accomplishments, but you still let there be something more, something else. What is that for you? What does it look like for you now? And how do you take care of yourself? Because I want to look like that.
2: You know what what it is, is trying to get an hour to two hours of some type of active workout, uh, be it if I'm out walking, running, jogging, uh, going into the weight room, or if uh, also doing I'm in the pool or, you know, doing something, just being active in a sense. And then along with, uh, making sure that I'm finding the balance with, you know, my nutrition and all that, because back then I had a problem and still today I have a problem. So it's just a part of life. So we all have things we have to work on. But it's also finding things I could do in moderation and, but finding that balance. But the key is recognizing it and being true to yourself, not being afraid to say, you know, I'm not doing this right. And that's how you can invite uh help in to help you. Mm. So, uh my goals with my center, along with my speaking and doing all all the things that I do also plays a, a a role in me staying healthy and and then also just keeping positive people around me. And and having positive people around me is not like minded people, but it's people that's going to agree with you and disagree when yes. when you're wrong and 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 those are, are good friends to have. And then also, uh, I think that something we were talking about earlier, that a lot of times people don't want to put in the work.
1: Mm, yeah.
2: And the work is so important. So the results that I'm looking for, the goals that I have for myself, and that's why I say it, there's never a limit. Mm-hmm. I always believe in working hard every day. Mm working towards whatever, they, and it takes work. The, despite the pain? Despite the pain. Got yes. it. Yes. You know, yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Got
1: it. Pain pain is a good teacher. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And <laughs> also, said that right. You know, there's a lot of research showing that exposing yourself to stresses proactively helps you to adapt and to handle stresses that come up Accidentally, or yeah, random stuff Mm -hmm. because you've actually conditioned your nervous system, your muscular system, your hormones to be able to defend yourself. And working out is like a perfect way to expose yourself to that—that kind of Mm -hmm. it's called a hermetic stress, you know. And but also there's other kinds of exercise, and you're a proponent of walking, and I'm a huge fan of walking.
2: Yes, I think walking—you know—walking was a part of our training. You know, and it would help us to start loosening up our ankles and before we get into really doing a lot of, uh, you know, the quick running or power jumps or whatever it is we might have been doing. And, and I, and I would hope that people don't look at, you know, like working out as a, a punishment because some right. people do, you know, <laughs> pain and punishment. You know, you don't, don't put them together, you know, think of the pain towards, what you're trying to gain from it. Right. You know, and if, if, and if you're doing any type of exercise and you feel pain, that means stop. Cause it shouldn't be painful at all.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, and just like it shouldn't be a punishment. You know, I see these people and they do kids, they talk about, well, go do a lap. And so kids don't want to run because they think running is a punishment, and right. it's not. Right. It's fun. Right. Exactly. right.
1: And kids who naturally,
2: <laughs> yes. In
1: their natural state, kids like yeah, I was just right. just today when I was getting my son in the car to take him to school. He's three years old. He just darted off across the uh, uh, my my front lawn. Yeah, yeah. It's like, man, come on, we gotta go get to school. He just wants to run. Right. It's mm-hmm. just. That the way that we get conditioned will start to pull that out of us with a lot of television, video games, all those kind of things. Then, you know, because of the stimulation, it's like it's an addiction. Mm -hmm. And now as adults, you know, a lot of adults, and I know that some people listen, they're going to be like, yeah, that's me. They got a little (laughs) bit of addiction to these games on your phone, you know, like (laughs) Candy Crush, right? Call them out, (laughs) Sean. Or whatever it might be. Call them out. And it's because we get, actually get a little bit of a dopamine hit, Mm -hmm. you know, so when we, you know, hit it, get to a next level and people walk around with their little belts, you know, I'm on level 400. (laughs) What does that that translate to in life, you know? And so, (laughs) it's it's just looking at what are your goals? Because a lot of people also say, I don't have time. I don't Mm -hmm. have time. When you've got time for Candy Crush, you've got time to watch a whole season of The Walking Dead in (laughs) in one night, you know, there's (laughs) always time, it's just putting a priority on what's most important to you, you know? And by the way, so walking is a great time And we call it the net time, no extra time to Mm -hmm. leverage that opportunity to learn something you put on a podcast, Mm -hmm. an audio book, you know, or just some inspirational music or something like that to, to fulfill you, to, to build up your soul and your spirit and also your mind. And a reason that I'm a huge fan of walking and a lot of people don't notice because they would see you and it's like, she just run all the time. (laughs) Walking is a great form of exercise because it doesn't release a lot of stress hormones but it releases a lot of the positive hormones, mm-hmm. the endorphins, the enkephalines that make you feel good. So you kind of get like a walker's high, right? But also it makes you more insulin sensitive. So that means your body can help to process insulin better and more intelligently instead of your body essentially getting uh, in a place where it can store fat easier, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're running a lot, it's a very catabolic kind of, um, st- a lot of stress hormones mm-hmm. are getting produced. So a lot of runners find, and this is more long distance runners, when they stop running, and they don't run for a long time, they start to gain weight really quickly. Whereas a lot of sprinters, they, they're they able to maintain their figure a little bit easier than a lot of long distance runners. So just wanted to throw
0: that there's out there. There's the evidence right there. Looking good. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> so, Jackie, there's this other great quote that I found, and I, this is what I want to talk, talk about now, kind of shift the conversation to is, you said your environment doesn't define you. I don't have a lot of money, but I can help train people and I can talk to people. We can all be mentors to the next generation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what what drove you to, to make that statement and what are you doing right now to kind of live by that statement that you made?
2: Uh, what what drove me probably to make that statement was really uh, just because you grow up in, in a certain environment, that environment truly doesn't define you. What defines you is what you... What you want your narr- narrative to be. And, and so for me, uh, going outside of the community and finding a way to come back, bringing resources, resources might be bringing friends, bringing people that can help someone, because I was taught that when I was growing up, you mm-hmm. know, to always give back without knowing that it was giving back. And, and because of that, I, you hear when people talk about East St. Louis is always in a negative there are a lot of great people over there and trying to do great things. And I'm just a small portion of that. That's trying to say my environment does not define me. My environment motivate me Mm. to bring others in here to inspire a whole another generation to be the best that they could be. And so in being a mentor for me is coming back in that environment, not talking about growing up in East St. Louis, but not stepping foot over there. And then also trying to help people because I think I'm better than them. No, I walk these same streets, seeing some of the same teachers, some of the same people had an impact on my life. So can I just do a small bit of that to help someone else? And hopefully they'll pave the way and come back and make a difference in another generation.
0: Mm. Wow, That resonates and reverberates on and on. That's fabulous.
1: What do you feel personally? How does that make you feel being able to do that?
2: Um, I don't, I don't feel, I realize how blessed I am. And and it's for me to recognize my blessing, Mm. but not to get caught up in, uh, oh, great job. Great job. No. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, uh, continue doing what I'm doing because I don't want to see it come, you know, to a halt and I don't want to shortchange it and I don't want to take it for granted.
1: Mm. I love it. So again, it's that balance, you know, because for a lot of us, it feels like I, I'm, I'm this is kind of what I'm sensing from you is that it feels like it's a necessity rather than an obligation, right. you yes. know, mm-hmm. and something that you get to do and you're in a, a, a wonderful position to be able to do that. And speaking to the fact that, and this is in everything in life, it's not about resources, it's about resourcefulness, uh-huh.
0: Yep, you know, and
1: you don't need a lot of money to be able to contribute. You know, you can contribute your time, you can contribute your skill, yeah. you can contribute your um, connections, mm-hmm. your story, you know, yeah. your story, so valuable mm. to be able to help another human being or many human beings just by your, your beingness, you know, so powerful. And I'm so glad you brought that up because ultimately at the end of the day, it's not the things that we've accomplished that's going to fulfill us. It's giving, Yeah. you know, and so you have a found you have a foundation, correct? Or yes. mm-hmm. I think you got like She's multiple television. things going yes. on. No. <laughs> but so, can you share a little bit like what's most um like the biggest driving force for you right now?
2: Wow, the biggest driving force. Well, we have a a community center over in East St. Louis, the Jackie John Kersey Center. Uh, we're on thirty-seven acres. The building itself is forty-one feet, forty-one thousand square feet, and we have a do after-school program. Uh, I have my winning in life program. Uh, we use sports as a hook to get kids in there, but, you know, but to expose them. Cause I think exposure is so important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's something that you, you said that I think resonate with all of us is that we all have a story. And I think storytelling is so important and could be very vital to our, to our kids because I grew up on not being able to, have my own vision of what I felt could be and having faith. Because when you talk about you want to go places and you know, your parents, you know, just trying to make ends meet. Right. You got to have a lot of faith. And I think that is so important with our kids today is storytelling, mm-hmm. giving them images, positive images mm. so they could believe. You know, when you walk the streets of East St. Louis, North St. Louis, or just St. Louis in general, <laughs> that you can be more than what people say you can't be. That's right.
1: Yeah, I That's love right. it. I That's love so it. so wonderful. The, the last thing that I like to ask my guests is, and you've already summed it up pretty nicely, but what is the model that you're here to set with the way that you're living your life? What is the example that you're here to set?
2: Oh, the example that I'm here to set is that I I always tell people to study Jackie Joanna Kersey, the person, Mm. not get caught up in the accolades or the medals, and because all that's materialistic, it can be taken away at any given time. But what I stand for can never be taken away. My soul,
1: Mm. yes, love it. Wow, love it. This is so good. I just want to keep going. Yeah, well, (laughs) I know you're a busy woman, and I just appreciate you so much. I appreciate the person that you are, you thank know, you. and I, I see you showing up in the community and that inspires a lot of people, you know, and you actually, you're somebody, who you changed the game, you know, oh, you yep. changed the perception and motivated so many athletes in general, not just women athletes, but athletes overall to want to take their stuff to the next mm-hmm. level. And I just want to acknowledge you and thank you for that. You're oh, amazing.
2: Well, thank you guys. I'll be back. That's for <laughs> sure. That's awesome. a deal. Well, I'm going to work on my
0: long job. <laughs> <laughs> Make that five piece. No. Right?
1: Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to The Model Host Show. I appreciate you so much. And I just implore you to take something that you've learned today and go apply it. And find a way to be more, ha- have more resourcefulness in your life and not focus on the resources that you have because the resources are limited. Your resourcefulness is not. There's mm-hmm. always a way. When there's a will, there's a, a thousand ways. That's right. So thank you so much for tuning into the show. Have a great day, and I'll talk with you soon. So I want to thank you for tuning in to the Model Health Show, and make sure for more after the show, you head over to theshaunstevensonmodel.com. That's where you can find the show notes. And if you got any questions or comments, make sure to let me know. And please head over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and let everybody know that our show is awesome yeah. and you're loving it. Yeah. And I read all the comments, so please leave me a comment there. And... Take care, everybody. Promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help transform your life. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening.